Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back to Gyro Nation Metal. As always, my name is Jeff, and I'll be your host. The Curse Within is a Canadian metalcore group hailing from Toronto, Ontario. Releasing three EPs since 2016 and a handful of singles have garnered quite an impressive following for this relatively new three-member team. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Eric Favot, who is a guitarist and lead vocalist for The Curse Within. The Curse Within has shared the stage with bands such as Chelsea Grin and Enterprise Earth. Be sure to check out their latest EP titled Heartless, released on January 14th of this year. Eric, thank you for joining me today. Hey man, thanks for having me. No problem. As we chatted a little bit before the recording, I'm not too familiar with metalcore. It's one of those genres I haven't really gotten into yet. What made you go down that route and who are some of the bands that you personally look up to? Yeah, um, I think my music journey started, um, I guess, with, with like punk or, or pop punk when I was like super young. Um, that's how I got into guitar. And so I guess my entry into metal was from like the melodic portion of it, um, which I guess is kind of what led me um, down to where I'm at now. Like I, I do really like metal, but um, most of the metal I like, like regardless of genre, it's usually like melodic um, metal. And I think it shares that aspect with like my roots and maybe that's why. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just kind of make the music I like and you know, it comes out how it does. It's gotta be the way for pretty much any band willing to take themselves seriously. Like, instead of pandering to an audience, you're you're making music that you enjoy and see how it gains traction over time. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Another thing we briefly touched on is that I'm not too familiar with the genre as a whole. So do you know much about the history of metalcore? Yeah, um, I mean, I'll probably bastardize the history, but but more or less, like in the 90s, there's bands like um, Converge, Earth Crisis, um, shit, who else? <laughs> no, no one else I can think of off the top of my head. Zao, maybe. Um, that's not really stuff I'm into. I guess that's more like hardcore um, based. Like, um, like I was saying before, my my jump off point was like like the punk stuff. Um, and I started getting into metal um, in the early 2000s, probably thanks to Guitar Hero, um, which I know for a lot of people my age, Guitar Hero had put them on to like a ton of music. Um, it's one of the first like metalcore bands um, that I heard was All That Remains, which was on um, Guitar Hero Two, a song called Six, which is still like they're one of my favorite bands. Um, Avenged Sevenfold was on there, which I know technically probably not a metalcore band, at least not for the last like, I don't know, 20 years, but like they were on there um, as well as like Iron Maiden, Metallica. So, I mean, I, that's kind of where I, I started getting into um, metal, but I guess that would be, yeah, so the history would be like in the 90s, it was more like a hard, the hardcore scene. And then when I started getting into it, it was like bands like Kill Switch Engage, All That Remains, uh, Trivium, who were kind of taking what um, they were doing in like Gothenburg with melodic death metal and kind of adding like commercial, but like, I don't know, like mainstream, like commercial uh, sensibility to it. Um, but yeah, then from there, it's kind of just branched off into this whole other beast where now like, I mean, they pretty much consider almost any metal that comes out now that is not like extreme metal, it just gets lumped in with metalcore. Um, mm which kind of leaves me like grasping at straws, like considering myself like a metalcore band because I don't like we were talking about before. Um, I guess my sound is a little bit more of like the 2000 sound. So like if I tell mm -hmm. people like we play metalcore and then I show them a song, they're very like puzzled because it doesn't sound like what metalcore sounds like now. Um, but yeah, it's kind of just become like a mishmash of like screaming and clean vocals, metal, very like mm -hmm. large umbrella. Do you know where metalcore like originated? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I want to say I want to say America, but um, like I said, there's gonna be like someone who actually knows the history and is gonna call me a poser. So, <laughs> Not, yeah. So you said that you got into guitar around the same time as Guitar Hero. Were you playing the instrument beforehand, or was that something that um, tipped you over? 
So uh, yeah, I was playing. I was playing guitar before then. Like one of my all time, still one of my all time favorite bands, uh, Blink One Eighty Two. They were a huge inspiration um, to me. Also, American Idiot. Uh, I was probably about seven or eight um, when American mm-hmm. Idiot came out, and like when that album came out, um, I think that's when I wanted to pick up guitar. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like, and then and then when I got into like Guitar Hero. Um, that's when I got introduced to metal and I was like, Oh, like this is, you know, this is like fucking sick what people are doing with the guitar. Um, and then I just started kind of started gravitating, um, towards that stuff. So. And how did you learn like real guitar over time? Was it, is it something they did formally or something that you kind of sought out yourself? Um, I took lessons for a bit at a community center, but it was acoustic guitar and I was kind of like set in my ways. I wanted to learn very specifically one thing. Like I wanted to learn like music I like, and I was being taught, like, I don't know, just shit I didn't care about. So I kind of dropped it for a bit. Um, and then a couple of years passed, uh, and then I found another teacher who kind of just was into metal. And I guess he, uh, my my second guitar teacher, um, David, who I'm still good friends with, I guess he's also very responsible for my music taste because he was putting me onto bands like Iron Maiden um, and Metallica, I guess, as well, and teaching me that stuff. So um, once I found something I liked, it was really easy for me to stick with. But um, and that's kind of, I guess, the problem. Like, I, I also taught guitar for a period, and it's hard to teach people things if they don't really have, like, a passion they want to do specifically with the instrument. So once I found that, um, I kind of just kept with it. Um, and I did lessons for a bit and I stopped. Um, I think once you get good enough, you can kind of teach yourself. So once, um, yeah, once I got good enough that I was able to like teach myself and kind of figure it out, then I just started doing that. But yeah. Do you remember one of the first songs that you really nailed where you felt, man, I got this. Yeah. Wasted, uh, wasted years by Maiden. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. That's pretty, uh, pretty solid tune. Oh yeah, I still, yeah, I see Maiden like every time they come to Toronto. Um, I yeah. see them, so I love them. I can't believe how much energy they have on stage. Like yeah. sixty plus years old, and I'm like, holy fuck! Like yeah. you have Bruce Dickinson running around like a crazy person the entire time and singing. I know, and he still puts, he still will put anybody to shame on vocals. Even like, like I think didn't he get like tongue cancer or something too? Like he's been through quite a bit, but he still is just like top notch, which is crazy. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, doing it for so many decades, it's it's surprising to me that they haven't gotten stale. Like, I think obviously there's different eras that people enjoy more, but realistically, they're still putting out bangers. Yeah, that's something like that's something that um, I think is great about Iron Maiden is that um, although like I, I probably wouldn't say I like like their newer albums like front to back, you can always rely on like a song or two that kind of really hits and is like, you know, like really made in. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's always like something new to listen to from them for sure. And I know we also touched on this briefly already, but with the genre changing over time and kind of labeling yourselves, what would you consider uh, The Curse Within? Honestly, I, w- I would just say at this point, heavy metal, um, which again, I know is also probably not like super accurate, but it's, or I would just say like 2000s metalcore slash melodic death metal, like probably some something in, in that realm. Um, but yeah. When did you shift your focus to vocals? Um, so I kind of just got screwed into being singer originally, <laughs> uh, which I feel like is the same story for a lot of metal bands are kind of just like, oh, you're the only guy who can sing. So like, fuck you, you're doing it. Um, yeah. which is basically what, what happened. Um, but I ended up being pretty decent at it. Um, I actually, I think singing comes easier to me than, than guitar does. Um, mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of people that can, you know, been playing guitar for like three years who are like way fucking better than I'll ever be. Um, Meanwhile, like I, I'm a pretty decent vocalist, I think, like in terms of tuning and being able to like, you know, hold my own and not rely on the studio, which is like, in my opinion, a huge problem in metal vocals. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I just kind of, I, w- I would say around like when we started taking it like pretty seriously, like maybe 2018, 2019, um, especially because I started doing a lot of live streaming on, on um, Instagram and then TikTok later when it started getting big. So um, just the repetition, I was basically mm-hmm. doing like, you know, an hour live set, like once a night. Um, and that's kind of really when I got like good and, and came into my own. Oh, that's cool. 
Yeah. So you use streaming um, your vocals as a way to like to gain more exposure, essentially. Yeah, basically right here. Like I have um, just off the side here, I have like my my DAW and like my rack and like and all that stuff. Um, so I would just plug right in, like sit down, play guitar, have the mic like right here, and I would just kind of play whatever, take requests. Mm -hmm. um, I did that for a fair bit, and then I stopped doing it just because um, it stopped being an effective tool to get my music out there. So I I just kind of didn't bother, but something that I noticed from you guys is like your Instagram is full of like guitar playthroughs and a lot of memes. So there's a lot of humor in there, but also you can see uh, you guys working. Do you find that that kind of stuff garners more attention than just like a random like album post? Oh, for sure. For sure. That's something that's something I, I could rant about for like hours, but just kind of like the changing of the music landscape and how you have to go about getting famous now. Like I, I can't, I honestly can't fucking stand it. Um, mm -hmm. Cause it's a lot of work and it's not necessarily so like I don't want to do the work, but it's not like, work that is actually pertaining to like my music it's always from the perspective of like how can i like hopelessly get people to watch a video long enough that it goes viral like type of thing um yeah and especially now that the space has become so contested like everyone and their fucking grandma's in the band and they're all making videos on tiktok and instagram reels so it's really hard to cut out from the noise um mm -hmm. and it can be super discouraging which is kind of why i go through like bursts of like doing a ton of stuff and then kind of just like laying low because i can't be bothered to um but yeah, I mean, it definitely does work. It's just, mm -hmm. it's kind of changed. Like it's, it's gone from like being about the music and being a musician and like that being at the forefront to now just like basically being a social media personality and an entertainer and then hoping that people give a shit enough about you to like go check out your music. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's kind of just a changing landscape. It is what it is. It's good in some ways because now you don't need a label um, to back you to get somewhere. But it's also bad in my opinion because like I said, everybody's doing it um, and not everybody can make it. It's just an unfortunate reality. And so sticking out amongst like, you know, the tens of thousands of people that are all trying to kind of get there, um, it, mm -hmm. it gets really draining for sure. Especially when you're trying to focus on the music and become better as a band, when you're spending a lot of your time and energy putting in the work that really doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't benefit you guys because it does, but it's like it tip of the iceberg kind of thing. What you got, what we see is like the music, the performances and stuff, but then there's all that time investment trying to get more exposure for your brand. That's kind of a pain in the ass, I would assume. Yeah, for sure. Especially for me, because um, like my favorite part is actually like writing the music. Um, mm -hmm. That's where I get the most joy out of it. I guess performing too, but like you can't really perform if no one's fucking there to watch you. So, but like, you know, yeah. that comes later, but yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, having to do that stuff like is brutal. I honestly hate doing it, but it's it's part of the part of the whole thing now. So, well, social media is a tool and a curse, right? It does so many good things, but at the same time, then you're spending countless hours looking at your phone or looking at the screen instead of like sure. you already touched on doing what you want to do. Sure. When it comes to writing your guys' music, and you and Andres, uh, Andres, yeah, Andres, right? Andres, yeah, okay. Um, you guys share the vocals, so is one specifically for cleaning, clean vocals, and then the other one for the screams, or you guys share both? Um, so I scream and do clean vocals on the recordings. Andres will do backup screams on the recordings, or like, um, for example, in, in our newest release song, Unbroken, um, he knows how to do like the very like low, like Amonamarth style um, vocals, mm -hmm. and we're a big fan of that band. So like when we want to do that type of stuff, like I let him do that because that's kind of his realm, and he's way better at it than I am. Um, he can also sing, but so like live... Um, He'll do like the harmonies and stuff um, and that type of thing. But yeah. What did you think of Amon Amart's latest album, The Heathen Army? Um, I thought it was okay. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of songs that I liked a lot, but I think they're leaning a little bit too much into being like, I, like um, I hate to say this because I love them and I'm going to see them when they come here. So I, I mean, take this with a grain of salt, but they're kind of getting like a little bit too cheesy and just like, oh, we're Vikings instead of mm -hmm. like that being kind of, 
the background for the music. Um, mm. But I mean, like every album of theirs, like has at least a handful of songs like I really enjoy. So, mm-hmm. I think the last one that I really enjoyed pretty much all of all of the songs was uh, Yom's Viking. After that, it kind of fell off the radar for me, and I'm not really sure what it is, but it just doesn't seem to have the same impact as their previous albums. Um, I, I I honestly just think it's I think it's just what I said. I think it's just like them kind of they know what what's making them successful. Um, mm-hmm. And to their point, like kind of like the parkway drive effect i don't know if you're like familiar with parkway drives newer music but they really kind of blew up doing this like arena rock type of sound and i actually like uh parkway drives new music but i think it's just a matter of like them kind of leaning always into like what they know works and what they know is going to do well and i guess over time maybe that just gets a little bit stale um i think the last album i liked by them like front to back was uh seaver of the gods which i I think is the one before um yom's viking but Yeah. yeah that was an incredible album too with Parkway Drive, they released an album this year, didn't they? Yes, uh, not that long ago. I want to say like a month ago, maybe. I heard, uh, so I have a, f- a couple friends that are really into metalcore and uh, they love Parkway Drive and they say that their newest album is kind of reminiscent of their older stuff. Is that something you would agree with? Um, probably not, really. I, okay. I, I would say it's kind of more like ACDC meets Scorpions meets like metalcore vocals. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's very like mid-tempo, like four on the floor drums type of... Um, I mean, I, I still like it, but yeah, it's, I, I wouldn't say it sounds like their old music. Their old music is like pretty like melodic death metal influence, I would say. Like, and then they kind of just put breakdowns in the middle of the songs. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think it's very similar to their old music. Okay. Do you think with Parkway Drive and some other bands in the same kind of realm that they um, that they're trying to make their music more accessible, which is why they're changing so much? Um, I think that's part of it. I also just think like, I mean, they've been at it for twenty years. I don't imagine like. If I, I mean, 20 years ago, I was fucking six. So I guess, I guess it's not really relevant, but like, even, even if I think about what I like, like, you know, 15 years ago, like I said, like I was, I was really into like Green Day, you know, 20, 15 years ago. Um, now I don't really listen to Green Day. I mean, if I was going to make music when I was 10, I was making like punk, like, you know, pop punk little songs. Now I'm doing something completely different. So, um, I don't want to push the notion that people are just kind of like selling out because I don't think that's what it is. Um, but I do think it is like, um, you know, at least a factor is that like, they want to keep growing the band. They want to keep like pulling new people in. Um, and I mean, like most artists outside of like metal or rock, like don't like longevity isn't even like a thought for them. It's kind of just like, they're a supernova and they die out. And I think like rock and metal is one of those few genres where like you get fans that stick with you for 30, 40, 50 years. And I mean, if you're going to be around for 50 years, like you're not going to be making the same thing you were making, you know, 50 years ago. Um, and if you are, people are probably going to be bored. But should go back to the Amon Amar thing, I actually think that might also be partially why maybe the newer albums are not hitting as hard. It's just because it's kind of more of the same, but just not as good. Um, and that's no knock to them, of course. Like I said, I love them, but yeah. Well, and then there's also the point that you, you get to a certain level and then it's really hard to keep up with the popularity that you've attained. So you can't always put out a better record every time because that's, right. I don't even think that's possible, really. It's true, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, at some point, something you release is going to be worse than the thing you released before, even if it's still good, right? Well, and one band for me, at least, that um, kind of followed that same same pathway was uh, um, Metallica. For example, like with Saint Anger, it was kind of, well, and I think Load was okay, but like Reload, Saint Anger, they kind of again fell off the radar for me but then when death magnetic came out and then their latest album i was i was quite impressed they they took they took their criticism seriously and then moved kind of back towards their roots yeah um i i think it's funny that like if you go online now somehow saying anger is starting to be retconned as like a good album i, I don't know how 
Yeah, I don't know how like that. I mean, I just see online like people are starting to like appreciate it. I don't like it, but I, I think Metallica's worst enemy is their production. Like I think even I like Death Magnetic a lot and I also like Hardwired. Um, but I just don't like I mean, they're the richest band on the planet. And like if you compare their mix to like, you know, any other mix or production of like another band, like it just kind of pales in comparison, at least in my opinion. Um, and I think that actually holds them back too. Um, just from sounding heavy and from sounding like very full and like powerful. Um They've kind of dropped the ball on the production side of things, in my opinion, anyways. And so then that means like what I assume is that you guys pay a lot of attention to the production side of things as well. Yeah. Um, so Andres mixes and produces our, our music for us and we record it basically in my basement. Like I have like um, like I have like soundproof on the wall and stuff like that. So we kind of just do everything in-house. And that was just born out of the fact that we tried working with people um, time and time again. And every time we did, it came out worse than when we did it ourselves. Um so Andres has just kind of taken on the brunt of like becoming good at, at producing and mixing and mastering and all that stuff. So yeah, I mean, we definitely do care about it. Um, and I think if, if, if it's good enough, then it doesn't really negatively impact the music. But I just think like if it's not good enough, then like it really does take away. Um, and I mean, like if you listen to like a demo of a song and then the same song, like the, the final version, like it could be night and day how much you enjoy um, the song based on the production. So I, I definitely do think it's a huge factor for sure. And the way demos are recorded, again, this is another assumption, not something I've asked anybody, but the demo is essentially you guys just putting together the song and seeing how it sounds as a whole before going in and mastering everything. Um, sort of. So basically what we do, um, me and Andres are the, the songwriters. And um, so like he has his DAW and all of his gear at his house and I have all my shit here. Um, and so we'll kind of just send like snippets back and forth. Um, like poorly recorded, like just kind of to get the ideas out and end up piecing the song together. And then once mm -hmm. that's done, then we will actually sit down and like record meticulously, like make sure every note's proper, like redo everything. Um, so the demo is never the same like source recording as what the final is, at least oh. in our case. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Since you write most of the music, do you write all the lyrics yourself or do you share that with Andres as well? Um, I usually write them mostly myself um, or pretty much entirely myself. Not that I'm opposed, um, not that I'm opposed to, I guess, taking like lyrics from Andres, but I kind of just have my own things I want to say. And I feel like in a band, like, I mean, if you're the vocalist, like the words should be coming from you. It kind of feels like corny to be singing something that somebody else wants to say. Um, that's just my opinion, of course. I'm sure there's tons of bands I like that I don't even fucking know. They don't like, you know, they get help with their lyrics. So, I mean, I'm actually being a dickhead, but for me, um, I for sure want to be singing my own words. Well, I mean, that, that definitely works for you. And I don't think it's anything against other bands that don't do that. Sometimes the vocalist might not have a good idea as what to write down. And I've heard, I've heard from some guests that sometimes the person on the drums or the person on the guitar is just better at writing lyrics and it comes out way better. And they can still collaborate with each other, have those ideas. But if someone's a better writer, I'm going to defer to them. Yeah, I think I think in our band, I would also probably be the best person, like like uh, language or like lyric wise. So maybe for us, it just ends up working out that way. But uh, But yeah, for sure, I, I can agree with that. I can't find your lyrics anywhere, or at least I haven't dug deep enough. What kind of lyrical content do you touch on or subject matter? Um, it depends on the song. Lately, what I've been singing a lot about is like kind of overcoming like struggle and adversity and just trying to be um, positive. One thing that I don't like like about metal is that like um, a lot of it is like very dark and like brooding and like depressed. Um, or they'll like sing about like relationships and stuff like that. I try to like steer away from like neg negativity. I want to be like positive with my lyrics. And I think a really good example of that would be uh, Jesse Leach, the vocalist from Kill Switch Engage. They have phenomenal lyrics um, and they're, they're always uplifting. And, you know, they're about like, um, I guess, oh yeah, like I said, overcoming adversity and being able to like, you know, sort through your problems and come out the other side better versus like 
uh, being self-destructive. Um, so I guess I had it to circle back, like most of the new lyrics, like particularly like Unbroken, for example, um, is kind of about that um, and, and prior songs as well. But Would you say that like um, subject matter pertaining to adversity and overcoming struggles is, is a, a metalcore thing or do you see that branching out into different genres now? Um, I mean, I think it could be found, I think it could be found everywhere. Like, I think a lot of like self-destructive lyrics are also found in metalcore. I mean, you could find like a million fucking songs about like a guy whining about a girl. Right. So like for, for me, like, you know, I, I don't want to sing about that shit. Um, <laughs> but I guess, you know, you could probably find that anywhere. Um, I also like to sing about like, um, I guess like fictitious or like, um, like, I, I don't know how I would say like almost like fantasy lyrics that like have an overarching meaning of again, like overcoming adversity or something like that. But instead of being like direct with the lyrics, it's more about like telling a story about like, there's a guy like, you know, like that type of like, like, like through storytelling versus just like being direct, um, which I think a lot of metal does too. Um, not just metalcore, but yeah. Yeah. No, just in basically every genre, there's, um, there's some sort of like storytelling, whether it be fantasy, science fiction, there's always some sort of basis, but I've at least with the people I've spoken with and some of the lyrics I've read, it's uh, putting those subjects into a story and having it more digestible for people that are listening. Yeah, for sure. I also just think there's something to be said about when, whenever you want to say something um, and you have a message, there's something to be said about not just being like on the nose um, with things. Um, sometimes I can feel really cheesy. Like, um, yeah, I guess I can't really think of any examples off the top of my head, but like it's usually kind of better to try and like put um what you want to say like into a story versus like kind of just saying things like directly because it's it's less um it's less engaging i guess definitely and then you have the people that like to delve into the lyrics and so they can either read the story or they can read between the lines and see what you're actually trying to say so either way it's a good time yeah for sure for sure i've noticed that on most of your artwork you have um what i would consider like a fallen angel um with a white and a black wing is that someone that you can or something that you consider to be your mascot um I think, I think mascot might be a little bit strong because I wouldn't consider him like an Eddie, for example. Um, mm. But definitely for sure, like we want to keep that motif going throughout all the um, artwork releases. I don't really know where it came from. I kind of just like, um, I'm not personally religious really myself, but I do really like the idea of like angels and demons. And I like kind of like that. Um, I don't know if like Catholic artwork is like the right word um, mm. for it, but I, I, I find that stuff to be like really, uh, really cool. So that's kind of where I got the idea from. Um, and I just, we kind of just ran with it. Kind of like the uh, dichotomy between good and evil then. For sure, which I guess is kind of like in the name too, like the curse within, like he's supposed to be like a good, like a good person, but he has that like evil or that like, you know, negative um, side of him that is kind of like consuming him at the same time. Um, and I guess that would be kind of representative to like the one like good wing, the one, the one dark wing type of thing. And how did you guys come up with your name? Um, I think I just came up with it in high school. We were originally called, we played one show, our very first show, we were called Lost Vegas. Um... And then I just thought it was like a dumb name and then I didn't know what to name it. And we, it, it was the curse within. And then I don't know if I actually thought like this is the name, but it was just for the, it was just the name for so long that eventually I was like, whatever, like, I'm not going to change it. Like we're on Spotify. Our name is the curse within. Like now I have like three or two EPs out and a third mm -hmm. one on the way with that name. So like that's, that's the name. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, speaking of your EPs, the first one came out in 2016. If I remember correctly, yep. um, you had another one in 2021 with the same name but it had a couple extra songs did you end up recording all those um re-recording all those songs or was that like a yeah because of changing members or something like that um not necessarily because of changing members although we did lose our drummer before that sorry one sec 
That's all good. I didn't want to burp into the mic. <laughs> um, yeah, we did lose our drummer before recording the, the 2020 um, EP, but that wasn't really why. It was just because the first album, it was like fake drums. Like it was MIDI drums and mm. it was like not very good sounding. I wasn't a very good vocalist. So it was all of those factors combined. And then also we had two other songs that were made at the same time of the 2016 EP, but weren't like fully realized or fully finished. Um, and so we use that as an opportunity to like kind of bring them to the same standard as the rest of the songs and, and put them all together. That's a really cool idea, especially because you noticed yourself that it wasn't good enough for you. So you went back and changed it, re-recorded, added two songs. And um, obviously even the artwork is totally different too. Yeah, uh, it actually doesn't stop there because uh, 2016, we, we did that. Um, the first EP, and then before losing the drummer and re-recording um, Seeking Vengeance, which is the 2021, we actually mm-hmm. released a bunch of singles as well um, that I also thought were not up to standard and crap. So the second EP is actually a re-recording of all of the singles before the 2020 EP. So it's actually just this year, or I guess early last year? No, no, it's just the beginning of 2022 that we actually started releasing like new stuff that is not like backlog shit from before 2019. Um, and the second EP would be Heartless, which is the one that you mentioned before. Um, and that is all singles that we had made before um, the 2020 EP. Okay. So then if I heard you correctly, you have a um, what would be considered or could be considered your fourth EP. Um, you're working on that now? Um, third EP. By the way, this is water. Okay. It's not actually whiskey, just so you don't think I'm like slamming a whiskey <laughs> bottle. Um, although I wish I was. But um <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's, it's our third ep um and there's going to be probably five songs we try and do five songs i just think it's a good number um two of them are out right now that would be eternity which we dropped in april and then unbroken which we dropped in august i think um and then i'm going on monday to record vocals for the next one which is called in faith of falling and that one i'm hoping will be out in november um okay. but basically we're just on a schedule of trying to drop a new single every two to three months it usually ends up being three to four but we try and aim for two to three and then um, mm-hmm. once all the ones have come out that are supposed to be part of the ep then we just package it into an ep i've noticed a few bands are doing that now alter bridge i would say was is the latest one i've noticed they put out a uh, ponds and kings ep which only had four songs and then like later that week or the week after they put out the full album with that ep included in it do you think that's partly born of the fact that that again social media just buries everything so quickly yeah um we were actually i want to i want to give myself um a pat on the back and say we were like an early adopter to that um but basically yeah i mean like it's not it's not conducive to a strong career to disappear for two years and and write an album um and bands are starting to realize that and i mean pop artists have been doing that for like lord knows how long like who the hell listens to like a full pop artist album like nobody fucking does right you just like they release a new song every like three months type of thing um anything is smart just because like i said like in order to keep people interested especially with the amount of like volume of just bands that are out making music now like if you're not doing something once every few months you're you're not staying relevant on people's minds um and especially if you're not a band that has that like legacy power of at least like you know being a big band like from the 2000s or earlier like if you're a band from the digital age like if you're disappearing for a year or two years like i don't think you're gonna get anywhere um which is unfortunate but it's just the reality so it's just like the news cycle. There's something always to be exactly. read upon or looked at. And it's just like, it's it's overwhelming. For sure. Also, from a bit of like a selfish perspective, I also enjoy like the gratification of like releasing something every few months and getting like the positive feedback um, totally. versus just kind of dropping everything at once. Because then every, every individual song means less, right? Like if you're only going to drop one song, like everyone is kind of like about the new song versus like if you drop 10 songs at once, like mm-hmm. a handful of them for sure, probably the majority of them are getting lost in the noise. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of just the, the mentality. 
and then you can couple it with um, pressure from like say record labels or if you have yourself on a tight schedule um, there's pressure to put on more songs that might not necessarily be as good or as meaningful for you guys just to fill a deadline yeah I, yeah i totally agree which is why like we haven't dropped an album yet i'm super about like i don't want to put out something that i don't think is a hundred percent um and i think every band says that to be fair but i don't know mm -hmm. if every band like really really thinks that um because it's just, I don't know how, like, you know, like, if you're going to put 14 songs on an album, like, there's probably a couple you think are, like, you know, not that strong. I would just have not bothered releasing them. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like that's changed a lot, too. I mean, there are definitely some albums that you can you can tell when um, there's a few tracks on there that they didn't put in the same effort. Like, it just doesn't hit as hard, it doesn't drive as well, or it just doesn't, like, match the rest of the album. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's I think it's also, like, something that, you can feel but can't necessarily put your finger on too um when something just like hits for you and you just like feel it you know deep within you as a listener too i don't just mean like me making my, my music um but it's always good when you know someone comes out with something that you really like feel that way about it versus something that kind of just feels like contrived like they have to release new music um type of thing so yeah i, I totally agree is Curse within your first band that you've been in that you've taken seriously, or were there other projects beforehand? Um, no, this is basically the only the only band uh, that I've been in. Like it was it was my baby. Um, like I said, Andres helps with the songwriting for sure, especially like more recently. He's been like we've been more closer to a 50-50, but definitely like the band has been like me from the start and kind of like getting people to like help me do what I want to do um, type of thing. And I don't say that to knock the other, the other members, of course. It's just like it's a fact of the matter. Like it was my baby. Like I wrote all the original songs. Like even now, like, you know, we maybe split 50-50. Some songs are more him, some songs are more me, but, like, definitely for sure, like, it's kind of like, I don't think if I left, like, the band would, like, have any legs left. Um, yeah, so. And we chatted before the show as well, and you guys sort of started <clears throat> in 2016, but didn't really take yourself seriously until 2019. Within that time, we're, other than obviously changing band members and stuff like that, what are the things you really wanted to focus on to, um, to take that step and really consider yourself seriously? Um, I don't think it was, I don't think it was a combination of two things. One, I didn't think that the recordings and like my capability was like good enough yet to be like, okay, now I'm putting my like flag in the sand. So I think that's mm -hmm. one thing. And then the other thing was just like, I just thought things were just going to line up for me, I guess. And like, it wasn't going to be like kind of the up, the uphill battle it was. And I guess when I turned like, I don't know, 21, 22, I started thinking about like, well, like, you know, if I really want to do this with my life, like I can't be saying I want to do it and then be like, you know, fucking playing video games, being a dickhead all day, every day. So um, it was more so that it wasn't really any specific reason. It's kind of, I just guess the feeling of being on borrowed time, which I guess everybody feels with everything, especially now, but yeah. That's good that you were introspective about that too. And <clears> said, like, this isn't good enough. So I'm going to do better. Sure. I don't think we actually touched on this. But how did you decide to take uh, the curse within on like a metalcore route? I know that you enjoy that style of music, but was there was there any chance of you going a different direction with it, say into death metal or melodic death or thrash or whatever? Um, well, I, I, oddly enough, like I, I guess I didn't even like throw thrash into like the hat there, but like def especially like on the Seeking Vengeance EP, like there's um, one song called Out of Time that I would pretty much just consider like a straight up thrash um, song, maybe with like you know clean pop vocals but definitely like mm -hmm. guitar wise like straight up thrash um and that's actually still on the spotify thrash playlist which is like pretty cool okay. um so it's been on there for like a couple of years but um i don't know i, th I think we're still evolving the sound kind of just keeps changing and i'm just you know making what i want to hear and however it, it turns out it turns out um i think metalcore to an extent gets a bad rap um, and I don't blame people for giving it a bad rap because I think that it's one of the genres because the umbrella is so big, you can get a, a pretty big misunderstanding of like what 
for example, like when I say like I like metalcore, like that's such a large umbrella now that like I can mean one thing and you can mean something completely different. And like I don't even like that other thing, like even remotely. Yet like they're still considered the same genre. So like I would I would be like um I could probably show you some metalcore songs that you would be like, oh, like this is pretty like thrash. Like I could get down with this because your idea of metalcore is like this one, not like this one, which is not, you know, it's not your fault. It's just, it's all been lumped together. Um, but I would say the thrash that I like is very like melodic death metal and thrash influenced anyways. It's like very fast, upbeat, lots of double bass, lots of screaming, although there are cleans too. Guitar solos, which like in half of metalcore is like non-existent. Like I like guitar solos still. Call me old fashioned, you know, but so... Yeah. Are there any genres that you specifically avoid? Um, I wouldn't say I specifically avoid anything. I'm kind of just like pretty stubborn and set in my ways about what I like. And it's very, it's, I would almost say it's concentrated down to like a time period more so than it is like a genre. Like um, I really enjoy 80s metal. So there's like the whole side of it of like thrash, obviously. But then I also really like like, like Scorpions. Um, my dad showed me Scorpions like from a very young age and I've always liked them. And like we kind of pull a lot from them in terms of like the lead guitar work and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I love Scorpions, Maiden. So I like that whole uh, era. The 90s kind of lose me a bit. And then in the 2000s, when that whole boom of like the metalcore bands that were melodic death metal influenced um, started coming out, I also really gravitated towards that. So that's like mm -hmm. All That Remains, As I Lay Dying, Kill Switch Engage, Trivium. Um, yeah, bands like that. Also Avenged Sevenfold. Um, Avenged Sevenfold, I guess, was the first band that I was like a super mega fan of. I actually have uh, the guitar players. Oh, my fucking chair is in the way. But I have a signature guitar, that one right there. Um, oh, that's cool. I was a huge Event Sevenfold fan from the age of like ten until like when they stopped making music that I, I liked. I guess I don't. I don't really think my my taste changed. I think they just started making different music. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't really know where I was going with that. But <laughs> no worries, I ramble a lot. So <laughs> um, with Event Sevenfold, are they still making music? Um, their last album was twenty sixteen. Um, okay. I think they're releasing a new album early next year, but I, I guess, I don't know if it was because of the pandemic or just because like they've been just slacking on like getting new music out. It's been get, taking like longer and longer between albums. Kind of like the Metallica thing. Like Metallica used to drop an album every two fucking years. Now you have to wait a decade to get a new Metallica album, which is ridiculous. But I don't know. I guess it just comes with the fame and the, the level of status. Well, yeah, exactly. It comes with that level of, um, status like you said it's fame it's um the fact that these guys can sit back and take the time to write a new album but at the same time you're sitting there wishing like fuck i wish these guys would come out with something totally new. it's like it's never enough yeah and nothing is worse than waiting like you know a decade or seven or eight years and then they just drop something that like you don't vibe with at all like so yeah you also get more opportunities like you get more opportunities to try different things and explore when you release more music like Metallica is a perfect example of that. Like now that they're releasing an album every 10 years, like if they release something and it's not like a throwback to their 80s sound, people are like, what the fuck? And like, kind of like understandably so, because I mean, you have fans clamoring for you to make music. Like if you're only going to release something once every 10 years, like don't use that as an opportunity to like do something off the wall. Is my opinion anyways. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have your fans that are clamoring for more, like you said. And then if you wait that long, your fans can change, their tastes can change. But if you stay relevant, if you stay engaged with them, then you can grow with them over time. For sure. Totally agree. And I think you guys are doing that exactly the way you want to. So, yeah. So, do you have a timeline with your uh, upcoming EP? Um, honestly, it's just as the songs get done. Like, most of them are um, the last two are for sure done. And then there's maybe one more that we want to put out that is like halfway done. Um, it's hard for me to work on like everything I want to. So, I kind of like work on a song, finish it, put it out, move to the next one, finish it, put it out. Um, 
So there's not really a timeline per se, but like I said, we try to release something every like three months. Um, we are on schedule to do that this time, but we will probably end up being like a half month late just because that's, that's how it ends up going. But um, I think our last release, Unbroken, was um, August 4th. So September 4th, October 4th, November 4th. So we're getting close, kind of close here, but uh, hopefully we can, we can get near there. And you guys choose um, new artwork for every single... Um, no, every, the ones that are agreed to be on the EP get the same artwork, Okay. just different colored. I, I guess this time what I did was I had like different hues made of them or whatever. So they're like, it's the exact same artwork, but like one is like red, one is like blue. Um, okay. just for the singles. And at the end, it will all be compiled into the one that it was supposed to be, um, which is the artwork for eternity. Cause the EP is going to be called eternity. Um, I think, <laughs> yeah. How do you go about finding an artist? Um, Facebook. Facebook groups are, are crazy for that. Um, there's a lot of people doing really cool stuff. Um, yeah. So I, I found a guy like the last uh, Seeking Vengeance and Heartless was done by the same artist, but he like just disappeared off the face of the earth. I never heard from him again. Um, hopefully, hopefully it's all right. But um, so then I got a new guy to do um, the artwork for Eternity. And like, in my opinion, it, it leaps and bounds better than the first two artworks. So I'll probably stick with him. Um, and I had him do merch for us as well, which I have to set up a merch store. I've kind of been slacking on that, but I have the artwork done for the merch. So, Actually, speaking of merch, this just came up within the last couple of days, but I've noticed like um, something, I don't know if it's trending, but I'm going to use that word because it sounds cool. Um, <laughs> so what I've, what I've seen trending, at least on my Twitter, is that um, there's this whole debate about what merch core is. And uh, I don't really understand the problem with it. I, I guess from what I can surmise is that it's bands that release like an obscene amount of merch. And to me and maybe you agree with it maybe you don't so let me know but i think the more the more that you can get out the better like it has wicked artwork it has the name of your band it's um it's exposure and it means that people want to buy your stuff and it's supporting you guys so i don't see the problem with bands releasing like their own clothing line essentially i think it's a good idea yeah i mean especially now because people aren't fucking buying albums anymore right so like what are you going to do um yeah. i still buy albums just because i mean i'm in this industry right so like i i would hope that i understand that people don't buy music so i'm not like you know pissed off by it but like for me um, I'm going to buy the CDs of bands that I like because, I mean, I hope people will buy mine type of thing. Um, but definitely, no, I think it's a, <coughs> sorry, I think it's a good idea to be dropping um, as much as you can, <coughs> as long as it's quality, of course. Definitely. <coughs> Personally, I'd rather my money go to a hardworking band than some faceless company like, say, Dolce & Gabbana or something. Yeah, like for sure, right? Rather, and the thing is, it, it, A, it's cheaper. B, it's normally more comfortable. And C, you can rep something that you actually have a personal connection with. Yeah, for sure. And you know what's oddly enough, it's almost like, um, I don't know if you like pay attention to like pop culture at all or like what's popular now, but like all these pop artists now are releasing shirts with like death metal fonts, like, like all these like high fashion brands are releasing like death metal shirts and stuff like that. And like, I think that's kind of like lame because they're the ones that are like, like now they're like culture, like they're like, what's it called? Like a culture vulture or whatever they want to call it. Like, mm. I, I don't know, but like yeah. kind of just poaching. Yeah, way. well, yeah, it's coming around full swing. Basically, like people want to like people want to like walk or uh, you know talk the talk, but not but not walk the walk. And I guess on an individual person basis, that is like okay, and I understand that. But I think it's lame that like big companies are like trying to do that because they they're not. It's not coming backwards. Like if uh, let's say there's a person who just likes a shirt but doesn't know the band, at least they're supporting a band, like you said, by buying a shirt. If if you're saying, oh, I like this death metal looking shirt, but it's made by fucking Prada, like fuck Prada. You know what I'm saying? Like now, now they're taking money away from people who are making death metal style merch who are actually a death metal band and actually, you know, not uh, a large corporation type of thing. So, yeah. Do you know many 
more local metalcore bands from either Toronto or um, Canada? We are completely out of the local scene because um, the last show we played was in 2018. Um, and it was basically, actually it was Whack and Metal Battle. They do this thing um, every year. And I think they do it like globally, but like there's one in Toronto where there's like a battle of the band saying like the winner gets a spot um, at Wacken. I think that's how, how you say it. <laughs> that's how I say it. But um, so we did that. And um, I was just tired of playing shows where it was like my friends, my family, the other bands, the sound guy, the bartender. Like I just told myself like the next time I play a show, it's going to be because people actually are there and like want to see like my band and like know my music and like want to be there to support me. Um, so we literally haven't played a show in four years. Um, we're planning on it probably next year because now the band is taking off a little bit. So I think next year we're going to play some shows and kind of test the waters. But yeah, like I, I don't know shit about what's going on in the scene right now. But from my, under- from my understanding, um, Toronto is not really um, the place for the local scene just because it's such a big city and there's so much to do here that it's really not likely that people are going to like spend a Friday night at like a dive bar checking out bands they don't know. Like there's a million and one things to do here. Um, the local scene is a lot stronger in like small towns outside of the major city because there's not as much to do there, I guess. And so going out to check out bands is like a, it's like a thing to do. Um, but I also just think like now, like online, like if I want to discover new bands, like I'm just going to go on like Spotify or Apple music or something and like comb through bands, right? Like that's way easier and you can filter through way more and find way more than you can, like going to a bar on a Friday night, um, to listen to bands. So. Well, and with Spotify too, I don't know much about Apple music, but I assume it's similar. Um, when you go into a band and you start listening to a lot at the bottom, it says like fans also like, and I've gone through a lot of those and that's how I found a lot of the bands I, I do enjoy now. Yeah, for sure. Which is actually like, like part of me hates Spotify for like completely cutting out like CD sales and stuff like that. But it's also like, it's also completely leveled the playing field um, in terms of like new bands being able to get exposure, um, which is basically, you know, what you're saying. So I see both sides to it for sure. But yeah, I've, I've found countless bands just through going of like going through that the fans also like or going through the Spotify playlist that they curate every month or whatever. Right. So Something that you uh, mentioned earlier is that you're not a big fan of tech death, and uh, that's one of the genres I really enjoy. So I'm wondering, from your perspective, what is it that pushes you away from that? Um, I just, I, you know what? Maybe I haven't heard enough of it to to know with certainty, but I think it's just a lack of like melody. Um, mm. And I would throw like deathcore in there with. I know deathcore is not tech death, and it's like not really that close. But like in the same way that I don't like deathcore because it's not like melodic, um, mm. I think it's it's more so just that. Um, but I mean. And maybe like maybe I just haven't listened to like I said I'm pretty like set in my ways and like don't go out of my way to listen to stuff that like I don't think I'll like so like maybe I'm just coming from an ignorant point of view and maybe like there would be stuff that I, I do like like I said like I never <clears throat> I never checked out Decapitated until um, Anti Cult because Andres actually put me onto them I don't know if you're familiar with that album at all but like um, I super I super love it now I don't know if that's I guess that's not really tech death or the early stuff is but well and I think the same with <clears throat> metalcore though is um sound that it originally started with has changed so much like there might be different opinions as to what actually is classified as tech death or metalcore or shit even power metal like depending on what yeah. bands you're looking at some are straight up power metal and then some you're like heavy metal speed metal yeah for sure for sure um as far as other bands that you enjoy we've named a lot of them are there any smaller bands that you think deserves more attention um most of these small i have to go through my honestly i have to go through my apple music um and see the save stuff here and there but i would actually say most of these small bands that i, I take a liking to are like punk bands um okay. and i i don't know why that is but like i just think a lot of um a lot of the underground metal scene that i've been exposed to personally anyway whether it's through like facebook or whatever but it's all it's all kind of like genty um mixed with like 
almost Linkin Park, like new metal, like eight string guitars. Like that's not really my, my cup of tea. And so I haven't really like come across anything in recent memory that ever really small band that I was like, wow, at least not in, in that genre or in like the metal metalcore genre. But again, it's just to sit a large umbrella now, right? That like, it's hard, it's hard to pinpoint, um, it's hard to pinpoint things. Yeah. And then the, the worst <clears throat> part about trying to shift that focus from such a large scope is that you've come up with like a million different subgenres. So then you're like, Hey, well, if I want a band that sounds exactly like this, it's its own genre now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, for sure. My last question for you today, Eric, is uh, if people are looking to support you in the band, where's the best place from for them to find your music? Um, I mean, streaming platforms, kind of like anything. You can just you can search our name um, on any of the streaming platforms and check us out, um, or just check us out on Instagram too, because I think like that's kind of where <clears throat> most of our personality um, gets to come through. So if you want to kind of see what the band's about and see what we're about as people, um, definitely Instagram. Awesome. I appreciate this time, Eric. Um, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule, and I hope to chat with you again in the future. Yeah, for sure, man. It was a ton of fun. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.